in this week's episode. There's comics and stuff, which is cool and everything, but Chris won't stop making puns, and that's really why you need to listen. And no, he didn't make me say this. It's all happening now on Cover B. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Hello. I am your host, T, here with fellow host, Chris. I realized that's it's been, me. It'd been a hot minute since we actually introduced ourselves on the podcast. And, and I'm true. sure there's new people. People episodes deep now that are like, these idiots have names. <laughs> Who are these weirdos? <laughs> oh my God. We have names now. And you know what else we have? Some cool books to talk about. We do have some cool books. Apologies for not having an episode last week. Uh, last week kind of got away from us and we just weren't able to get one out. So it's true. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. I don't have to prove myself to you. <laughs> we had an honorable mentions. We still gave you comics. That's true. We tried. Quit judging me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. We do have some comics to talk about this week. First up is Helm Grey Castle number one. This is out of Image Comics. Uh, this is written by... Henry Barajas, uh, with art by Brian Valenza. Uh, this book is really cool. It's basically a, uh, focuses around a kind of typical, uh, D and D fantasy adventuring kind of party. You've got barbarians and fighters and druids and wizards and a dwarf for good measure. (laughs) Um, there's always one. But the backdrop is really unique. The backdrop uh, is that of Az- the Aztec Empire. Yeah. Uh, so it's set in a place called Mexica, and it's got like Montezuma and various <laughs> other like Aztec mythologies. Um, it's cool. It's a it's a really neato kind of juxtaposition of these two things. I have never in my whole life seen a like traditional fantasy story take place in a like ancient Aztecan environment Mm -hmm. like I think that was really really cool I was very shaken off guard by it because the story starts very standard very like we in a forest we doing D&D stuff we without being D&D of course when we say D&D we mean like effectively traveling party of adventurers in a fantasy uh, scenario like Mm -hmm. and you know, everybody's there and they get traditional introductions and everything seems very, like, standard. The only thing that's not standard is that we do have an LGBTQ coupling in the group, which is dope. Props to representation. Yeah. Um, that made me very happy. I had to shut that out. Props to you, writer. Um, so, like, stuff's happening. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we need to go on our next adventure. And the next adventure is to Mexico. And it it's super different. And, like... I don't know. I think that's so cool. You see all these traditional things and very like, you know, there's mountains and then you're in the caves and the dungeons and then you're in the forests and then sometimes (laughs) there's, you know, deserts, but the deserts are super like, it's always like Egypt desert. Is this 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 adventuring party in Appalachia? It is now. You're going to go up them them (laughs) there mountains and you got to watch out for them black bears. But as long as you don't get in their way, they won't get in yours. Look, it was either that voice or the full on like, it's all right, Sam. Like you get to pick which one's worse. It's over, Sam. Anyway. Gandalf. (laughs) Whenever, whenever you see sand in an RP, in like a, in like a traditional fantasy setting, it's always Egypt. 
And that's boring. I mean, it's not boring. Egypt's cool. Don't get me wrong. I dig Egypt and I dig all of that stuff. Yeah. But like, I feel like it tends to default to yeah. Egyptian I feel like a stuff. Central South American and you know yeah focal point is super under touch. It's definitely not one I've seen in honestly anything. I I haven't. There's a few. Uh, like Pathfinder and D and D modules that deal with like jungle temples and stuff, and they borrow a decent bit of you know iconography and uh some like cryptids and stuff like that from like Aztec and Mayan uh you know engineering and mythology, but they never really go all. It's I I've not seen one that goes all in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is going to take place. In the height of the Aztec Empire, there's going to be Aztec gods rolling around. Like, there's Aztec concepts of magic and warriors and things like that. It's just so cool because that's something that's just like, I feel like recently the big thrust has been into like Norse. Oh, yeah. Like, everything. Vikings are freaking everywhere, bro. Once God of War, the newest one, came out and like Mm. kicked everything into Norse high gear, it's just been like. Thor as far as the eye can see and which is great I love that that's actually like becoming a leading trend versus constantly defaulting to Greek mythology which I also love I love all of the ancient mythologies yeah they're super duper fun yeah I mean I would say that you know I'm not like constantly out there talking about how much I love Norse mythology but I low-key do I got heartburn from that. My <laughs> chest hurts after that. That I feel bile in my esophagus <laughs> from that. Boo on you, sir. I'm afraid I can't be helped. Stop it. <laughs> oh, sweet Christmas. So anyway, there's been really cool ones. With, like, Norse recently, and, like, some things in plate, you know, everybody knows, like, the mummy movies and stuff, so people care about, like, the Egyptian stuff, but there's just a whole untapped, like, plethora of magic and mysticism and stuff from, like, the Aztec, Mayan-type scenario, and it just, it's waiting. It's waiting to Mm. be mined. Mine it out like gold. I've always been really fascinated by, uh putting standard RPG, like D&D kind of fantasy characters, standard fantasy, like medieval fantasy characters, elves and orcs and knights and paladins and druids and clerics and rogues and all that against backdrops that are unusual to that. Yeah. And there have been books um, and stories and, you know, actual tabletop modules and stuff that have taken those tropes and put them on backdrops that are different, but a lot of the time they, you know, you look at like Shadowrun using a lot of like cyberpunk stuff. You've got like, uh, I think Deadwood has like some elements of magic. You've got a uh, Deadlands, not Deadwood. Deadwood's the show, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> you've got various like examples of books and whatnot taking these kind of things and putting them against you know more like asian asian cultural backgrounds and stuff like that um but very often it's like oh this is the world so they've grown up in this world that's kind of like a mix of both worlds you know the yeah. the orcs in shadow run aren't transported from like 
medieval era fighting out in the forest to suddenly like cyber they grew up in the cyberpunk world so right. it's like it's blended yeah rarely do you see it where it's literally like a juxtaposition and there's actually a uh there's a module for pathfinder that i started to play with a group and then the group just kind of dissolved um and i would love to get back to because it's basically this um it's jade regent Oh, yep. Uh, because the whole thrust of that one is that you start off in uh, like the main Pathfinder continent and then you're actually working your way around the like rim of the world to get to the Pathfinder continent that they've established where there's more of like an Asian culture. So it's like yeah. ninjas and, you know, uh, samurai and uh, like big empires and opulent kind of beautiful like uh architecture and stuff like that like it's just this huge nation that's all that sort of stuff and you know there's a side discussion to be had about these rpgs and their history of just being like here's the culturally different country over there um but hey we won't get into that here's how we handle appropriation <laughs> and that's uh you know <laughs> looking at you strixhaven um <laughs> Oh man, that's a whole discussion. I know that's really look up uh the recent Asian uh inclusive character that they put into the most recent magic set because good lord. Stereotypes out the ass. Oh no. Good job, wizards. Anyway, um <clears throat> I really like that campaign because it was because of the nature of it where you started off in this continent that was very much like, you know, castles and dukes and cities and barbarians and knights and all the normal fantasy stuff you would then end up in this area where it's complete culture shock for your party um and that's what i want you know what i mean like i want them to stick out like a sore thumb i want it to be a very clear backdrop like i i want them to look i want them to look more awkward against the backdrop than the green screened moments of the prequels um <laughs> You know what I mean? I wanted them yeah. to look more awkward than Liam Neeson on a green screen set. Um, that's what I was going for. And I never got to play up to the point where we actually made it to the continent. So this book itself feels really good. And they actually have some module information in the back that I believe is tuned for 5e. I don't know. I didn't read it because I don't play 5e and I don't have any open game slots right now. So I'm probably not going to play the module anyway, but there is module information about setting a game in Mexico in this Aztec empire uh, zone. And I just thought that was really, really cool. Cause that would be really fresh. Like they make a comment in this book. One, the dwarf I think is like, I don't feel like we've ever been this far South. It's so humid. And like, Oh, look at yeah. these tracks. They must be big cats. And there's like a Jaguar up in the tree. And it's, that's what I love about it is it's these characters that have gone up against like freaking owl bears. And when we, when we see them in this book, they're fighting like a horde of frozen skeletons yeah. and stuff, but they're completely out of their element. element. They have no idea. These are people that go into a dungeon and are expecting the craziest of magical shit, but they're in a completely new environment yeah. and that's going to put them off of their, you know what I mean? Like, I love that kind of like culture and environment shock for a party is just like a really rich bit of storytelling. And this 
Helm Greycastle nails it. And it's just a very unique take on something that we've seen a lot of stories about. Yeah. You I know? think it's going to be really, really cool. I'm excited. I am too. I am excited to see where this one goes. Coming out of DC next up, uh, we have Robin number one. Uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson uh, with art by Glenn Melnikov. Uh, this features our lovable, uh, as I think T's referred to him in the past, uh, Hitler in green shorts. Um, uh, little Hitler! Little, little Damian Wayne out <laughs> here living his life. For those who haven't been caught up on... Uh, kind of the saga of Damien and Batman. Damien has lost faith in Batman after Alfred's death. Um, he doesn't feel like Batman's doing enough. doesn't feel like Batman's methods are enough. Um, and he has since split. There was a talk for a while that he was going to drop the Robin name. That seems to have not happened. That seems to have been one of many DC like, well, we still have to make money from the <laughs> higher ups kind of thing. Um, so he is still Robin, just not like Batman's Robin. He's kind of off doing his own thing. Anyway, this is, uh, it, it's a continuation of a story that we've seen in the back of, I think recent Batman issues. It might be recent detective issues. I can't remember, but, um, DC right now is putting a lot of like little snippet stories in the back of their normal books okay. that are eventually going to lead like the entire punchline special that came out as continued in the back of Joker, for instance. Okay. Um, and Robin was initially one of them. And what it is, is Robin's trying to find, figure out how to get, uh, into the, uh, it's like the Lazarus tournament. It's a, effectively a mortal combat. <laughs> he's trying to get into, and he's trying to figure out what the league of Lazarus is. Um, and he's trying to, it's all pertaining to him trying to find more information about things that his mom and his grandfather and his father kept from him about his culture and where he comes from and the league of shadows and the league of Lazarus and the Lazarus stuff and yada, yada, yada. Um, and this book shows him finally getting into that, uh, into that tournament and going from there, this is not the first time we've had a Damien centric book, but this is the first time we've had a Damien centric book since Damien's had a lot of other things going on. Uh, and I think he's just a fun character. I, I really enjoyed this book. I haven't read a lot of like Robin centric stuff just because I think Robin as a concept is a little, eh, I don't know. I don't really get behind it. Um, but Damien as a character I think has a lot of growing up to do and has a lot of, he's my favorite Batman. First of all, Damien from deceased favorite Batman. Don't <laughs> care. He's a Batman who's okay with hugging people. And that right there is perfect. Batman, um, <laughs> a Batman that's willing to go bring it in champ. <laughs> there, there. That's a That's a Batman. That's the Batman the world deserves and needs right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think Damien has a lot of interest in growing up and character development that needs to happen that can't happen if he's constantly interacting with or near Batman yeah. in general. Um, so I think taking him off on his own and putting him on like a random island out in the middle of who knows and being like, hey, time to fight a bunch of murderers that are really talented is a really good way to kind of get that 
character development involved. So do we know how, is this an ongoing, is this a mini, do we know how many issues this one's going to be? I don't know. And I ask to be that honest. fully, fully with my own personal convictions behind it. And I ask that because we have been, we, I say we, DC, and when I say DC, I mean Bendis, has been slowly hinting for a while in a handful of his books that eventually Damien is going to go off his flipping rocker and go banana hammock and basically turn into Hitler. He's <laughs> yeah. going to dominate the world, become an, a big bad, and it's going to be chaos incarnate. Sweet. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I keep waiting for an announcement of Robin written by Bendis as he prepares our beloved crazy crazy batman <laughs> to be in such a way and so i'm just curious to know how long like is this one starting to set up for that did bendis's concept maybe bendis was the one that was like i want to make him not robin anymore and dc was like you know what bendis i think you've had too much it's time to send you home you're cut off <laughs> um yeah. it's entirely like, possible but here put naomi on the justice league look Look, Naomi's on the Justice League. <laughs> and Bendis is like, ooh, shiny. Yeah, basically. It, it's it's one of those scenarios where he just kept dropping. It was it was honestly the most frustrating thing about the uh Legion of Superheroes book. Yeah. Um, because they continuously would there was like a running gag where little soups went back or went up, went forward, went future. And he showed up and they were like, great, we need you to sit and watch this presentation that we made you. And shit kept going catastrophically wrong. So he never sat down and watched the presentation that they gave him. But the presentation that they gave him was eventually going to explain the reason why you're here is because your best friend becomes little Hitler. And we really need you to <laughs> go back and stop him before it ruins the little world. Hitler. And it's it's like. He keeps going to watch this frigging presentation and he never makes it. And then it just doesn't, it, the whole thing ends and never comes back. Yeah. Like Legion's over. Yeah. There's, the run is done. And they like, they never let you watch the presentation. They never let you set up what is happening. You have no idea what was actually written or, or put into the presentation to tell him that Damien goes bananas. It was just like, it was hinted at the entire 12 issues mm. and then just gone. Yeah. And I'm like, that's bull. Yeah. I'm offended. <laughs> I want to know. I think, honestly, um, I hope that the culmination of this Robin series is Robin getting his own sort of Nightwing persona. That'd be cool. Um, You know, Nightwing occurred because Dick really wanted to be better than Batman. He wanted to prove that he was the better Batman. Yeah. And when you look at other Robins, you know, Jason picked up his own persona because he was damaged and dealing with a lot of trauma. And then you've got Tim who is still just Robin, <laughs> you know? So like, there's a he lot of ways for like 30 seconds yeah, when you're, when you're under the Batman shadow as his ward, there's a lot of ways to respond to that. And I do think while Damien's is very similar to Dick's kind of like rise out of, you know, Batman's wing. Um, 
it's different in a lot of ways because it's honestly this young kid who is super gifted and super talented is struggling with concepts of loss and defeat. He watched someone very close to him who helped raise him die, be murdered at the hands of somebody who his idol and the person who trained him should have been able to stop for all intents and purposes. Right after losing his best friend to a place he can never go. Yeah. And so it's like he's dealing with like, and they they make a point of that in this book. There's one point where he's fighting and he's like, I was trained by the Batman. And the person he's fighting is like, I heard the Batman never loses. Like that makes him weaker in my opinion, because he's never known defeat, you know? And that's a big part of this. It seems like it's going to be a big part of this is simultaneously showing Damien that it's not that easy. You know what I mean? Like, and they they mentioned that too, in the beginning, uh, Batman mentions how I forget. It's a very well-written line and I'm going to not do it justice. So I'm not going to try to quote it. It's very good. It's right in the beginning, but he effectively says like Damien only sees who he is now. Damien only sees Batman as Batman is now. He doesn't see the thousands of other people Batman had to be to get to that point. Right. He doesn't see the like struggling brand new year one hero that Batman originally was. Yeah. He doesn't see the brooding, you know, teenager that was off in the world trying to figure out how to, you know, do his parents justice. He doesn't see the like young man who was off working with the you know, League of Shadows or was off training with this, traveling the world, finding all these like masters of different martial arts to teach him things. He doesn't see any of that, you know? Yeah. He doesn't see the person that Alfred constantly wanted to stay home. And he was like, no, you know what I mean? He doesn't see the man who was seduced by, you know, a bad guy. Cause Selena at the time that they started like hooking up hardcore was still very much a bad guy. <laughs> was still Talia robbing too. people. Talia. Yeah. I mean, that's mama. Yeah. So he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't see these failures. He only sees Batman for who he is today, which is established and rich and has technology and has a family and has connections. And a little and, set in his ways. Yeah. And is one of the top heroes of the world and stuff like that. So he only sees this. So when the failure hit, he's like, well, you know, you're not what I thought you were because he's never seen all this. Like he never saw the struggle. He never saw the struggles getting yeah. up to this peak point, you know? Yeah. And now we have Batman who no longer has his fortune, no longer has his connections, like is really doing things a lot more grassroot. And Damien's just like, no, like your way is wrong. I'm going to show you the right way. And so he's often this world by himself and he's got a lot of humbling and a lot of character development to do. And I think it's going to be a really cool. I, I just hope the culmination is that he comes out of this and he's like, call me, you know? Yeah, that would be really because cool. I think that would be dope, you know, for to, to have him officially be done as Robin. Yeah, I think that would be I was really excited when they announced that. And then they were like, Robin, number one incoming. And I was like, well, is he Robin or not? Well, it'll be interesting <laughs> you know? to see what he goes by. And if we end up with another Robin. Yeah, yeah. Because feel like everybody was kind of convinced that Damien was going to be the last. You I know? think I he's know actually the son. I'm going to go ahead know? and get this on record. OK. 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 I think I know what his name should be. OK. 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 It should be Damon. 
That should be his vigilante name. Or Demon. I'll accept oh, Demon, like too. D-A-E-M-O-N. Yeah. Because his name is Damien. His father is Rachel Ghoul, who is... A demon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The... Yeah. So it's like, come on. He should be Damon. Like, let's... Come on. You know? That'd be cool. That'd be dope. So cool. I'm I'm putting that into the world right now. I think that should be his. It has been, it has been placed into the universe. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, yeah, because I mean, his like that's Ra's al Ghul's or Ra's al Ghul, whatever you want to say. His whole thing is like he's the head of the demon. Yeah, you know, his daughter is the the daughter of the demon. You yeah, know? so it's like demons literally in his blood. Yeah. So when he like chooses his own name, it should be demon. He should be demon. And then he's a little maybe maybe they'll do something funky and they'll call him like Hellion or something. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be kind of cool. That'd be cute. But I'm putting that out there. That's my vote. Is that he should be Damon. D A E M O N. That would know? be really cool. That would be a cool character divine too. I don't even know if that's you might just pronounce that as demon. I've only ever read that word. <laughs> I, I think, think it's I think, I think it's, it's Damon. Damon. I think it's Damon. So uh, but yeah, Robin, pretty good. If you like Damien, uh, and you want to see kind of where he's going, if you like Mortal Kombat and you were disappointed in that movie, like we were, um, to the extent where we couldn't even bring ourselves to do a real extra about it, we, we planned to, we watched the movie, we decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, Sorry. there's that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you like Mortal Kombat and that kind of like fighting tournament sort of thing and this has a new character in it who's actually oh. pretty dope i really like her character design so i'm excited to see more about her so cool. uh check it out robin number one finally we are talking about the marvels number one written by kurt busiak with art by yildere sinar uh this is a continuation of the you know classic marvels series um, it's extending that universe more, uh, with some new characters and some new storylines. So what's really, really cool about the Marvel series is that the whole point of it is, and they kind of talk about this in the back of the book, mm -hmm. is that, you know, we always see the superheroes interacting during crossover events, like you make these crossover events, it's such a big deal, like this person, this person. But most of the time, comics are focused on individual characters. And it's like, you're watching Carol Danvers live Carol Danvers' life and fight Carol Danvers' bad guys, and that's just how it is. And, or, or whomever. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the Marvels is that the world is big, and... You know, bad guys touch many different heroes and are involved with other, you know, villains. And, you know, lots of heroes can come and go in one place. Like, you think about New York itself, how many heroes live in New York? So, even though crossover events are, like, usually these big, catastrophic, universe-ending scenarios, the heroes come into contact with each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. organically just fighting normal crime in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah, and, and so, when, you know, 99.6% of them are in New York, it's really hard not to. Yeah, exactly. So the cool part about this book is that their whole point is that no superheroes are off the table. Everyone is a possibility. You can incorporate whomever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, mm -hmm. as long as it makes sense. Um, 
this one's really cool because it starts out kind of showing the progression of a nation that it's like it it's kind of like a i guess you could kind of describe it as like a vietnam sort of scenario mm-hmm. um where like this is how the scenario was in the 40s and you know this is when war h- took place and this is when new people came into power and this is what happened behind the scenes with this and so you watch this progression over like 70 years and all the different heroes that come in and like you know interacted at stuff and that's just one part of the story that's like the first quarter of the book is talking about this whole progression of this place and then it jumps into more modern times and you're focusing on not a hero our current quote-unquote main character is some random guy that hosts hero tours in new york (laughs) he got his hands on an old fantastic four vehicle and he souped it up to do tours so people pop into this thing and he just like flies around new york he has an app that you know basically aggregates mentions of superheroes on social media and uses that to build the tour so whenever you do this tour it's like super random and whatever and like he'll hit the major places like oh this was you know the avengers tower and this is where Stephen Strange lives and stuff like that. But in between, he'll be like, oh, there's been a Spidey sighting over by the Daily Bugle. We got to go over there. And so you'll go over there and you'll watch stuff. And it's just really cool how it's a very organic feeling. Mm-hmm. And like there's a conversation that takes place during it where he's talking to like a girlfriend or a friend or something along those lines. And he's like shows up late and brings lunch and she's like you're late what are you what happened and he's like oh you know stuff went down and i had to go look at the thing and she was like it's fine i'm sure you were like looking for this hulk and those two squirrel girls and he's like there's only one squirrel girl actually there's only one squirrel girl he basically does that and he gets really embarrassed because he's like please don't make me do it and she's like what did i do wrong and he's like actually <laughs> I was looking for Squirrel Girl and Chipmunk Hunk. And he's like, she's like, I thought there were more the more of them than I thought she was like on a team. And he was like, she is. It's complicated. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> Can we not do this right now? It's just cute because I yeah. feel like by even including that, by bringing in a Squirrel Girl throw in, was basically being like, look, we've already showed you Captain America and a bunch of these other people that are really important, but also. We're going to talk about the randos. Like, they drop into this, like, nation in a modern time scenario, and Captain America's there first, and they teleport people in. And one of the heroes was Black Cat. Like, it's just weird how they're bringing in random characters, and like, mm-hmm. I don't entirely know how this makes sense yet, but I could buy it. And <laughs> I just I dig it. I really like these types of books because I feel like they do tend to focus more on less on the heroes and more on the people around it. And the heroes end up becoming like set pieces to kind of tell a story and focus on like real world esque scenarios and does a really good job of articulating what a world with superheroes would feel like for everybody. Because by focusing on a Carol and like, great now Carol's all humanized and I see her as a person, not just a power like great, but also to normal people she is just a power. Like, yep. 
I don't see her mourning the loss of the boyfriend she just dumped and refusing to get out of bed for a week. We see her as Captain Marvel, and she shows up in the sky, and she shoots death rays at things, and then she goes back to wherever yeah, she we, went. Like, we, it's, it's a much more layman experience. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about Project Patron. Yeah. And how, you know, in our society, we have cult of personality. We yep. have you know, celebrity culture and celebrity blogs and all of this. And what would our, what would our society with that kind of in mind, how would we approach super people? You know what I mean? And sometimes writers will like play with it with like characters in the background, you know, and sometimes they make them seem like, Oh, you're living in New York. Oh, look, it's a Spider-Man. Oh boy. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, sometimes the New Yorkers treat it like a law and order shoot. You know what I mean? They're like, don't go down eight. There's a rhino. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I got to go down seventh. I don't know. New York streets. Um, I am assuming they're all numbered and then fractioned if they're going in a different direction. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes writers will treat it. So it's I think there's a lot of stories to be told that are effectively like, how would a world react how would a world actively function with super people? Yeah. And, you know, some things I've said about recent MCU entries is that I think they're doing a really cool job looking at how, like, l- taking a realistic look at crossover events. Yeah. You know, we're so jaded is, as comic readers when, like, Noel comes to Earth and it's like, oh, my God, look at all these New Yorkers dying because there's literal monsters in the streets. Yep. Or, like, War of the Realms, there's just giants, like, walking through, like, picking people out of windows like they're a fat kid at a candy store with those, like, things with the candy <laughs> you're supposed to scoop. I, I should point out I'm not being offensive because I was that fat kid. <laughs> So was I. Who would constantly get shouted at by his parents being like, you can't, don't, as I'm just like, um, yum, yum, <laughs> like fistfuls of candy shoving into my mouth. And um, Same. so Big I'm mood. calling myself out. This is a call for help. Um, and when I say I was that fat kid getting shouted at by his parents, I meant two years ago. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, there's just like we see all these scenes of like, look, that building's exploding. And like, look, the troll is like ripping people apart and stuff like that. Yeah. But we don't see like the ripples of that. Once the event's done, it's just all the heroes being like, okay, we didn't lose anybody, you know, but there's whole families that are torn up now. You know, it's kind of that it's the same mindset that people that want to downplay the Patricia take. Where they're like, well, you know, the death rate is con- like, that's not that many people. And it's like, yeah, but for every one person, that's like a ton of other people in their immediate circle and family yeah. that are affected by this thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter that, okay, like the percentage is low, but you have to think of the effect, the ripple effect. Yeah. And, you know, coming out of the snap in the MCU, Scarlet Witch uh, or WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier have been doing a lot of legwork at like not taking the same approach to that event that the comics do where it would have just been like we're done now. Yeah. You know, they've actively been like, look, even though the heroes brought everyone back, that kind of sucked too. Yeah, that wasn't great. L- losing everyone sucked. Coming back sucked. The whole thing sucked. 
here's how the world's responding to it. We're still dealing with it. Yeah, and so I, I think there's a lot of stories to be told, especially at Marvel, where they refuse to let, like, you know, they refuse to let their crossover events and big happenstances linger amongst their, like... Put your toys back in the box. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> always, always the toys. Um, Not trying to shade you. They're trying to you know, <laughs> be in show. You know, and <laughs> they make decisions and those decisions immediately go away and stuff. So it's interesting to see like the the stories that interest me are seeing where the ripples have taken effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's in a realistic world, it's hard to imagine that people wouldn't all just move out of New York and New York would become like a dead zone because no one wants to live there. Because at any point in time, your building could explode because there's an angry vulture man with a vendetta. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and, mean it's well, like, and it's cool because in this book, he's taking these two like very stereotypical, like older middle aged tourist couple on a tour and they're like watching spidey fight somebody and it's like oh wow this is crazy this is awesome and then entirely unrelated a bomb goes off in a building very nearby and it's funny to watch the change in the people's behavior go from like this is crazy look how awesome this is to watch to i think i think we should probably head back we've got we've got broadway tickets (laughs) uh this got too real suddenly i felt in danger and the minute that it became not like a voyeur ship, it became like, oh, wow, we could have fallen out of the sky. Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a really funny, like, juxtaposition because that's exactly how, like, all of this is always displayed is that, like, this is really fun until it gets scary. And yeah. then it's not fun. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. I don't know. I really like the Marvel stuff. I love the uh, the concept of bringing in different people and having different people, you know, coordinate and like this gives the option for weird teams like i said Mm -hmm. cap on the same team as black cat is super rando Mm -hmm. she never gets out of new york it's weird but it's just cool i like the i like the progression of it i like the real worldism i don't know i think it's gonna be fun yeah i mean there's a reason the marvel's stuff and different variations have been around for as long as it has yeah exactly that's gonna do it for us uh get out to your local comic book shop and support them um, T, I have a question for you real quick. What's that? Uh, you know how I have alopecia and so I'm completely bald? Yes. If I were in Asgard, would I be balder? <laughs> I, I don't even have a good... I've been sitting on that Norse mythology pun for roughly 30 minutes. (laughs) That one's been baking, hasn't it? Yeah. That one's been in the oven. You keep turning it over so it doesn't get too crispy. Yeah. Just in case. Anyway, thank you all for watching and putting up with me. Um, If you want more Cover B, you can follow us on our website coverbpodcast.com you can also follow us on social media facebook and twitter at coverbpodcast we are also on instagram now and we're on the tiktok the tiktok is a little slow starting because i don't have a lot of time these days so there's still stuff popping up there stuff. it's still cool yeah, it's, true. it's still fun stuff don't downplay our things they can figure out what it sucks once they get there <laughs> 
Let them be disappointed in you organically. Right. Let yeah. them make that decision. Don't decide that for them. So anyway, thanks again for being patient with us as we took last week off. We've got more content coming your way. That's right. We love you all. We thank you for listening, and we hope everyone has a good weekend. And we will see you back here for the next episode of, of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, folks.